Introducing your starting lineup for the NBA's Most Valuable Podcast. He's a 5'10 forward out of Carleton University. Give it up for Bradford. Welcome back. This is the NBA Most Valuable Podcast. I'm John Gallardo. Alongside me is Jeffrey Tram. We're back for another episode covering everything around free agency and recapping the draft. How are you doing, Jeff? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. There's been so much going on in the NBA. Uh, I've been keeping up with everything, and it's just been so exciting with all the movement, all the changes to different teams, and the NBA season's coming soon. Yeah, we're like pretty much less than a month away from the NBA season, which is crazy. But man, there's so much player movement to talk about. So we're not going to cover every single move here, but we've brought a little bit of a format for you guys today just to like break down some of the winners, the losers, and you know, just recapping all the team. Most of the teams is off seasons here. So I think we got to start out with where we left off on our last two episodes, where we had a nice panel of guests to help us break down the draft, if you guys haven't checked that one out. But we got to just break down the draft as it unfolded, because there were a lot of surprises, you know, especially in the lottery, and the Raptors picked up some decent prospects. But I guess let's start out with the surprises in the lottery. So there was a big one at number four with Patrick Williams getting drafted. I know a lot of Bulls fans had some mixed reactions. A, a Bulls fan I know very well was actually very happy about it. But what was like the reaction just in general that you had and what you saw? Yeah, I think that uh, the first three picks were pretty obvious. Um, I'm glad that for the Timberwolves that they picked Anthony Edwards number one overall. I think that was the, the safe bet, the right pick to make at that, uh, that choice. Um, number two, James Wiseman to uh, the Warriors. Even in light of the Clay Thompson injury, I think that James Wiseman will be a nice fit for them. And then LaMelo Ball uh, yep. for going to Charlotte. Um, they, they got that, that, that face of the, that start, their, their franchise point guard, I think. Um, yeah. Especially, uh, they have someone like that's somewhat box office on their team now. And uh, I think that LaMelo definitely has uh, some players to play with there. Um, and it's going to be exciting to watch. Uh, and especially with the whole LaVar Ball and Michael Jordan situation. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> love I, I would pay pay-per-view to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think... Just, uh, I'd like to the, see LaVar get his uh, ass fucking clamped up on the court, man. 
I think um, I saw something. LeVar Ball was uh, on an interview with um, Shannon Sharp on his little show that he does on the side of Undisputed. And he was talking about uh, if that game were to happen, they need to pay each of them $200 million. <laughs> Holy shit. That, that's, that's a lot of money. I mean, would I think it could garner some sort of money. Like, I don't know well, if $200 million, but... Well, I mean, you know LeVar Ball. He's just like, he always says things to like catch attention. And um, I think either way, I, but if there was a game to happen, it would be like very entertaining to watch. Um, but aside of that, um, yeah, the draft was um, really interesting. Uh, as you mentioned, Patrick Williams going number four uh, was a little surprising. I think Bulls fans uh, would have, were not ex- exactly opposed to him. Just they were, were like, why don't you just trade down and get more assets? Because I don't think other teams had him that high. Uh, I was surprised at Tyrese Halliburton falling. Yeah. Uh, to the to the Kings. Yeah, um, the Kings of all of all places. Which uh, the Kings franchise has been known for just making, like, just not being a good example of a good franchise in terms of management. But yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I was looking at the situation. At first, my first instinct was actually I thought they were going to have to trade someone like a De'Aaron Fox uh, if Tyrese Hall- since they acquired De- Tyrese Halliburton. But from what I've seen, actually, there's a good chance that they could actually complement each other mm-hmm. if their games. Um, so it's hopefully the Kings don't mess it up. You know, like they have some players now, decent players. Uh, Marvin Bagley, obviously, we'll see if he can um, actually live up to his potential. Um, alongside of De'Aaron Fox and I guess Buddy Heald now. And then we'll talk about the later move about letting Bogdan, uh, Bogdan go. Yeah, Bogdanovich. Um, Bogdanovich, yeah. Um, but yeah, the draft was um, not too bad. What did you think? Well, let me tell you this. This was the first draft I've ever actually watched from start to finish, from pick one to pick 60. So mm-hmm. not going to lie, it was kind of boring once the Raptors picked at 29, but it went surprisingly fast because the timers are actually shortened in the second round. So it's not that bad of a viewer experience if you actually know a, li- a little bit about these prospects. But this draft just in general, like we've been saying in the last couple episodes, that it's a really weird draft because there's no standout talent, quote unquote. Right. Like you look at the top three prospects, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, and you know LaMelo Ball, they all have strengths, but they also have some glaring weaknesses. Like, literally, before the draft even started, it, there was some a report that came out that suggested that Anthony Edwards isn't really too keen on playing basketball. Like, it's his second sport <laughs> compared to football. So, you, you see that, and you're like, damn. And then he goes first overall. So, I mean, the jury's out on them. We'll have to see how they perform. But this draft class, just in general, I really liked it for its depth at the guard position. So, you saw at 29 the Raptors picked Malachi Flynn, who's a very savvy point guard. He's got great defensive skills. He's a pick and roll specialist and a pick and pop specialist. So you see, there's a lot of players that were, I guess they could have gone higher in another draft if it wasn't so deep at their position. So the Raptors were able to get a talent that could have gone in the mid first round at 29. So I really liked it for that for that case, but you know, I don't know, man. I, I'm not really putting too much stock on the draft here. I'm not expecting a lot of players to come out and be like a superstar right away. Even a LaMelo Ball, for example. He, he's got his talents and he's very, 
I guess he has a chance to be very transcendent as a player, but I could also see him just really being like a Ricky Rubio plus or Alonzo Ball clone with maybe less defense. So we'll have to see. But, you know, the draft, it was more or less pretty uneventful besides the Patrick Williams surprise. So, you know, it, it was all right. I mean, there were some pretty de- uh, decent trades, of my, like some of the picks. Uh, I think, um, was it RJ Hampton's family that had like a fun- funny moment with uh, his brother throwing the, the hat? Yeah. No, his dad yeah. threw the hat. Yeah. That was kind of funny because it was a Bucks hat, but I don't think he was going to the Bucks. Yeah. It's like his brother was handing him the Bucks hat and he's like, I'm not going to the Bucks. Yeah. Dad's threw like, no, and he threw it. <laughs> Can I also say too that the draft this year they just re like ESPN really just milked like the the tragic backstories of people. Like they literally oh. they, I I don't know what it was but on Twitter everybody was complaining about how oh man like the producers probably just like went to these prospects and said, "Hey, what's your what's your backstory? What's something tragic that happened in your life?" And then literally not to discredit these people's stories, but it's like pick after pick we're just hearing about how someone lost like their brother or you know a family member and it's like damn like it should be a moment to celebrate and definitely reflect but at the same time you can't help but feel that espn's trying to milk these stories i get that sentiment for sure uh but i think that like one of the stories that did stand out to me was anika okongu's story yeah uh with his brother that one was uh that had me close i'm not gonna lie that story was uh really sad and uh the fact that he was doing it for his brother like that was that did hit me um but i do get what you're saying like i think that there's been many times in tv where they milk people's stories i think that's i i see that the most on shows like america's got talent or like yeah. those reality shows where they like it's like every contestant has like the saddest tragic story ever and then they have to over they overcome it by being do their performance you know so i get that it's part of tv you know we kind of yeah. have to accept that. So I'll, 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 well, you know, all conversation aside about the draft, I feel like the Raptors did pretty well in this draft. They drafted Malachi Flynn, who's probably going to slot into that position of uh, the third guard off the bench, probably taking Terrence Davis's spot if we let him go. And he, I think he has a chance to really develop into our next backup point guard in the future. He's He's kind of like a Fred Van Fleet type where – he wasn't, you know, highly recruited, but he he is a four-year college prospect, and he really shined in his in his senior season with San Diego State. And you know, the last player that we got come to Toronto that came from San Diego State, it turned out pretty well. So <laughs> here's hoping that Malachi Flynn turns out pretty well. And in terms of our other pick, Jalen Harris, I don't know too much about him, but I do know he also played in the Mountain West Conference with. Um, against Malachi Flynn, and they had a couple battles in the college. But, you know, he seems like a decent prospect, too, that we can bring along in the Raptors 905. So I'm pretty satisfied with the, what the Raptors did in the draft. But another area where the Raptors may have done good or bad, depending on who you ask, is free agency. So we got to address the recent departures of Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka. Yes. Both of them left to L.A., they gone Hollywood, and we're stuck with, um, well, I guess I don't want to say stuck, but we had to make some improvisions and sign Alex Len, Aaron Baines, and then we re-upped Chris Boucher at the center spot. So 
I guess immediately, what were your reactions to Ibaka and Gasol really signing with LA? And I thought to me it was a big surprise to see Ibaka leave. Right. Um, I thought that, you know, with Fred Van Fleet resigning, um, I thought that would increase the chances that Ibaka would stay. Um, I truly, maybe I take too much stock into this, but I really like the idea of Toronto being branded as this international team because, you know, usually, typically Americans don't like playing there. Uh, So having like African players play for our team, especially having the size our GM, if I look at Ibaka and seeing how international it is and how much he's loved Toronto, I thought, okay, it's, it looks like he might stay. But for him to go to the Clippers, of, well, one thing's for sure, I can't obviously hate on him because he was a valuable part of our success, including yeah. winning the championship. Oh, but man, it's things that he had to go to the Clippers uh, to join Kawhi yeah. when they could have done that together in Toronto if Kawhi stayed, you know? And um, it's disappointing because I think that Ibaka's playing his best basketball mm-hmm. um, in terms of especially watching him play during the bubble. Like There were games like he really changed the momentum of the game. Um, especially with his shot blocking presence and his perimeter shooting, his um, his impact on the floor is obviously very very important. And I hate to say it, like he's gonna be, he's gonna make the Clippers a better team. I think he's an improvement over Montrezl Harrell. Um, Ooh, that is I a hot take. It is a hot take, but I think so, uh, especially at the defensive end. Um, and then with Marcus Saul going to the Lakers, I think that's a good fit for them too. Because with the West, right, they have it so that there's not many big centers that they have to face. I think he need, they need a body for when they play the Portland Trailblazers, when they face against Nurkic. Yep. Uh, they need a body against the Denver Nuggets when they play Jokic. Yep. Uh, but other than that, then... Uh, they have the flexibility of them putting someone like AD at center and then Marcus Salk can go to the bench. So I think Marcus Salk is a situational veteran center. It's mm-hmm. a low-risk, high-reward type of player. Um, I'm less mad about Gasol leaving because I think that it made sense for him to go to LA, especially with his brother's legacy uh, being uh, a Laker and now him coming full circle in case you people forget that he was actually drafted by the Lakers, but then traded yeah. for his brother. And now mm-hmm. he's back as a Laker. So um, I really hope uh, I really think that the Lakers can repeat. And I think that Gasol is really wanting another championship, uh, even though we saw reports that he was actually supposed to leave for Spain earlier. Yeah. And then all of a sudden like back in the NBA, I think that uh, the possibility of another championship probably enticed him to stay. I didn't think that... I thought that if he was going to come back to the, to the NBA, it wouldn't be for the Raptors. Mm, yeah, that's a very fair like uh, assessment to make. And I also think, too, that the Raptors, once, once Serge Ibaka left for the Clippers, they were kind of targeting Gasol because he would be like a familiar option to bring back. But truthfully, I'm, I'm okay with the Raptors losing out on Marc Gasol because, number one, I think his situational... I guess, prowess, putting him in Toronto, it doesn't make as much sense in the East as it does in the West because you're going to only match up with with a guy like Joel Embiid, you know, four times in his regular season. Whereas in the West, you're going to match up against bigs very often. So it makes more sense that he went to the Lakers than the Raptors, I guess. But 
Serge Ibaka, his departure from Toronto, I wrote this down a couple days ago, but when I saw it, my initial reaction was like, you know, it's like seeing your best friend get together with your ex. So the whole Serge Ibaka going to the Clippers thing, it just really hurt more because he joined the Clippers and he joined Kawhi, which to me is just like, come on, man, that's, it's kind of doing us dirty, you know? I mean, yeah. Serge will forever be a Raptor, but that kind of hurts still, regardless. So I was going to say, um, another thing I was going to say about uh, Ibaka's best, um, he playing his best basketball with the Raptors. I think a part of that has to do with Kyle Lowry's playmaking. Yes. Do you think that the Clippers have someone who can put Ibaka in the best positions to be at his best? Well, I, I don't know because they were targeting Rondo. And mm-hmm. as we'll talk about later, Rondo didn't go to the Clippers and he didn't sign with the Lakers. So mm-hmm. I think the Clippers, they're still lacking that playmaker that can really, you know, put Ibaka and Kawhi in the right situations for them to succeed. So they're missing that still. But yeah, uh, it just hurts that he really left for the Lake, for the Clippers. He could have joined anyone to me other than the Clippers, and I would I wouldn't be mad if he joined the Lakers. I'm like, all right, well, that's fair. You you can join LeBron. It's okay, and if you join Kevin Durant and Kyrie in Brooklyn, oh, that's okay too. You're going for the ring, but immediately I don't see the Clippers as a title contender, even with Serge Ibaka and the moves they made this off season. Just because, oh, yeah. more or less, their team looks the same with a little bit of tweaks here and there. You know, swap out Harrell for Ibaka get a little bit better on the defensive end and you get some better shooting. But Harrell's like tenacity on the glass and his uh, motor is something they're going to miss, number one. And, you know, Lou Williams, his performances in the playoffs are still, you know, not great. So I, I don't think they've made enough changes in L.A. to in the Clippers anyway to really make them legitimate title contenders. They'll be, they'll be fringe title contenders, but, you know, that's – that's besides the point. You're not here to be a fringe title contender because Kawhi is going to leave potentially next year, and so is Paul George. So I, I don't think they've done enough this offseason. But I want to get back to the Raptors a little bit because we picked up some players. Picked up Alex Len, Aaron Baines. Yeah. You know, we re-signed yes. Van Fleet and Boucher. So I just want to highlight the Van Fleet deal because I think we got him at a very fair price. About like $20 million a year. So I think that was really good for his productivity and you know what his role is on the team very happy for him yeah very happy for him too because he did go undrafted as like you know everybody knows now but he he's the highest paid undrafted player of all time on this contract so that's awesome for fred and you know van fleet he's really going to be that guy that's going to blossom into our starting point guard in the future once kyle lowry's gone He's going to take the reins and really succeed Lowry as, you know, the next in line to be the Raptors' starting point guard. You there, Jeff? I'm here. Yeah. So, you know, the Van Fleet deal also, I want to highlight that in the second year of his contract, he takes a little bit of a dip in his contract, an 8% pay cut. And that's the free agency class where, you know, Giannis is going to be available. So this is a very strategic move with the Raptors. They're really 
trying to position themselves to get a max contract player next offseason. So I think that's the best part of the Van Fleet deal is you get him at a fair price. You know, you didn't have to overpay and he didn't get overpaid by um, the Raptors. I think it's a very fair deal for both sides. And he's got that player option in his fourth year. So he can really choose his destiny once three years is up. Absolutely. And um, in terms of speaking of like setting up for uh, next year and stuff, I think that that's why they didn't try to acquire anybody big this off season. I think that, um, well, to be honest, the person that I was kind of eyeing um, and he was actually uh, signed for about the same price. Actually, I think the exact same price as Serge Ibaka. Um, I thought a guy like Tristan Thompson um, mm. would be interesting. Um, especially, you know, Canadian connection. Um, Brampton connection. Brampton connection. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we want someone on Brampton on our team. Let's be honest. I get uh, He signed with the Celtics. Uh, I did... I just wanted like at least someone to somewhat replace Ibaka's production, but um, Aaron Baines is actually a really solid center, efficient, um, can stretch the floor, and you know would be a good pick and roll option with Kyle Lowry. And I think that Kyle Lowry can bring out the best of Baines, kind of like how he brought out the best of Ibaka. Um, so I think because we now we have and we, we signed Alex Len too, who's a capable center in this league. Um, so I think they're going to be rotating around, obviously, Aaron Baines, Chris Boucher, Alex Len. So we have some options as big. Um, I think it's better. if the, I don't think, like, I think, for example, Ibaka made up his mind to go to the Clippers. But I think if the Raptors had to choose between resigning Fred Van Fleet and Serge Ibaka, it was obviously Fred Van Fleet that they would choose. So because 100%. I think that bigs are not as i mean in today's basketball i don't think it's as important as a good combo guard with playmaking and versatility in their game and high iq yeah so um having these centers i don't think it's going to really really hurt the team um so we'll see how they play uh i don't know if you follow the nba twitter but the official baines club is yeah. uh, very very happy about this signing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are very happy. And I think Raptors Twitter is also equally as excited to bring them on the Raptors bandwagon. So that that was pretty cool to see. I, I do think you're right there where it's not too big of a deal that we lost out on Serge Ibaka and Marcus Hall's productivity because, you know, someone else on the team is going to step up. So, you know, Serge, he was like about 15.8 points, I believe, last season. You know, mm-hmm. I, I believe OG could probably take a step up next year, you know. Van Fleet could probably step up a little bit too. And Pascal, I, I expect a big bounce back season for him this year after his playoff I performance. So. I sure hope so. I don't know if you saw his Rico Hines mixtape, but it's been going around on Twitter a little bit. So he, he's in the gym really putting in the work. You know, you don't even see him on social media, like giving a, giving a Fred Van Fleet a congratulatory post, you know, like Kyle Lowry did, but Pascal, he's locked in the gym, man. He's working. So here's to hoping he bounces back. But, you know, we'll, we'll find the productivity elsewhere. And, you know, Baines, he's not going to put up the same numbers as Ibaka. And these guys like Len and Boucher, I don't believe they're going to have the same defensive impact as a Marcus Saul. But we'll, we'll find that's productivity somewhere else. 
which which is what I'm saying. So I guess you know people are talking that the Raptors might not be contenders next year, and I, I don't think they were going to be contenders even if they had Ibaka or Gasol. At best, I believe they're a second round team or a Eastern Conference Finals team. So, I mean, you you have a little bit of a hot take on the Raptors, just on how they're going to do next season. So, lay it on me, man. Tell me what, what you think about them. Well, maybe it's not as hot of a take. It's just more like I'm worried if they even qualify for the playoffs. It's a very – the East has gotten a lot better. And we'll talk about some of the offseason moves in just a bit. Um, but with the Raptors, yeah, we – I know I just talked about how, like, we don't lose too much productivity. And you said the same thing. Um, but, yeah, we didn't get much better unless unless the players that we – we're banking on make take the next steps like Siakam, OG, uh, Norman Powell. Um, that's those players need to continue to develop and grow. Um, Kyle Lowry is obviously also another thing too. Like so far, he's shown like that he's been playing like not like his age, you know. But when is that going to finally catch up to him? How yeah. much of the leadership can he find? Like because he's carried the team on his back so many times. And there were times in the bubble when he was playing like over 50 minutes, you know? And it's just like, how much of that can he, can he handle? Um, and if he actually, does he even get, does he get traded this season? Might be possibility to go to a yeah. contending team. Maybe that's the playmaker that the Clippers want. <laughs> maybe that's what they freaking, like the, maybe they missed, Kawhi wants to recreate the Raptors in LA. <laughs> yeah, I've heard I've heard about that too on on Twitter. People talking about how you know Kawhi wants to bring the Raptors to LA, but Kawhi, you could have had this if you just stayed. To be honest. Yeah, and with a better managed team, a way better coach. I'm sorry, I don't. Again, Tyron Lue is not a coach. <laughs> He's just a manager. He he just he, manages egos. Yeah, he's he's friendly with the players, you know. So I don't know, um, but uh, yeah. Well, like I said, we'll talk about more of the other teams. But yeah, I'm just a little worried about the Raptors, and that's just like, just because like, you know, I guess we've been spoiled with good basketball these past few years that I wanted to continue to continue, and I it would suck to be going back into like a rebuild stage, which I don't think we will go to because I think the management has kind of like. Um, made it so that we are kind of more of a retooling team rather than a rebuilding team. But if we, I just remember the pain of like the, the, the bad teams of the past and yeah. seeing <sighs> terrible basketball. I don't want to watch that type of stuff, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I, I get your sentiment there. There's definitely reasons to be concerned. But yeah. I'll, I will say this I had the same feeling last year when Kawhi left Toronto. I was thinking, damn, Kawhi left. I don't think we're going to be that good next year. Because, you know, we haven't seen yet if Pascal could really take that leap as the next, you know, franchise player. And then there's all this uncertainty around the team because, you know, we are coming off a championship trying to defend it. But I think the Raptors are still going to surprise a lot of people next year. One of the safest bets you can make in sports for the last, I don't know, like four or five years is the Raptors making the playoffs. So I, I don't think the playoff making the playoffs and contending for it is going to be much of a problem, but I wouldn't expect the Raptors to make a run at the championships next year. 
because, you know, it was already improbable this past season, especially when we saw them match up against the Celtics. It was such a struggle for the Raptors to even, like, score or do anything substantial. So I don't expect the Raptors to compete for anything big, but I also don't expect them to just roll over and, you know, be like a, a lottery team next year. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people and still be around like the top four in the conference. So, and I'll say this too, one more thing. We still have the best coach in the NBA, Nick Nurse, that is proven to get the, the best out of his players that's put in front of him throughout his whole career. You know, he, starting in like the G League and stuff, he literally gets players come in like days before without even knowing and he makes it work. So I think he's going to do the same thing here. He's going to make Aaron Baines fit in. He's going to help Alex Len, you know, really blossom into at least something. And I think you, I don't think you have to worry about the Raptors. Yeah. Uh, we do have that championship mentality on this team. Um, we do. We did make another signing. Uh guy from Atlanta. Uh, uh, I think it's Bembry. Bembry, yeah. I don't really know much about him. I heard he was like a wing player with tenacity, but not yeah. a good shooter. I think he's got very good defensive metrics for him. Yeah. I saw yeah. that on Twitter, but not the greatest shooter. So I think he'll come in there and maybe like 10 minutes a game and defend the team's best player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to find some depth at the wing position. Because I believe the only other player we had at small forward was, I think it was Stanley Johnson. So, uh, Patrick McCall plays kind of like that small forward point. It's, point he plays point w- shooting guard, small forward. They just plug him in wherever they need him. So yeah, yeah kind of weird. But weird yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about the Raptors. But I think we need to move on a little bit to our winners and losers of free agency. Because like we were alluding to, a lot of teams made some moves. you know. And right off the bat, the team I want to talk about is the Lakers. Mm-hmm. I feel like they've made the perfect offseason as a defending champion. Because Absolutely. what they've done really is they're bringing back more or less the same type of team that they had last year. But they've just improved the pieces all around, I think. So they started out with signing and trading Danny Green to um, – or trading Danny Green to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Dennis Schroeder, who is a really great player because, number one, he was a six-man-of-the-year candidate last year. I feel like he was robbed for it. He should have won. He should have won. He should have won. Absolutely. For sure. He, he should have taken home the award last year. So I don't understand why he lost. But he was one of the best scorers last season off the bench. So you're adding a type of player like that to your team. Replacing Rondo, who only plays 16 games a year in the playoffs. Playoff Rondo. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a little bit of a trade-off. You're getting a better regular season player than a better playoff performer. But I think that's a decent upgrade there in general. And then they added Montrez Harrell to their bench. Replacing Dwight Howard, who left for Mm -hmm. the Sixers. I think that's a good signing for them too. Now they have this, this like bench dynamic duo of... Schroeder and Montrez Harrell, kind of like what the Clippers had last year. And then they added Marcus Saul, who, like you were saying earlier, he's got his merits in the in the Western Conference with adding him, matching up against a Nurkic and a Jokic. So that's a great add for them too. And they haven't signed Anthony Davis yet, but I believe Anthony Davis is just waiting for Giannis to sign his Supermax, mm-hmm. or if he's not going to sign it. 
And then once Giannis makes his decision, then Anthony Davis will decide the length of his contract. So I think the Lakers have done very well. And another player I need to mention is Wes Matthews. They put him into the slot of Danny Green, and then they re-upped KCP for a deal too. So I think all in all, they had a really good offseason where they're going to be able to defend their title next year potentially. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. I think the Lakers, they had the perfect offseason. They were the championship this year, and they got a lot better. Um, I, the only thing is, like, they, so they, like, I liked Dwight Howard. I liked JaVale McGee even, too. Um, but they replaced the Martyrs, Harrell, Marcus All, and then they'll probably put, like, put Davis more at the center spot for a lot of matchups. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with everything. Um, it would have been nice. I think th- uh, would have been really nice to if they could have also kept um, Rondo, but Rondo wanted the payday and he wanted to uh, go somewhere else and get paid more, which yeah. good for him. So, but to have Dennis Schroeder, great pickup. Uh, yeah, that, that this makes them the title favorites as as if they weren't already, but now they've just gotten even better. Um, kudos to Lakers management, and uh, I'm sure LeBron's very very happy. Le GM, as Chris Move likes to say. But um, <laughs> moving on, you got to throw out one of your winners here. So you've got two teams as well, right? That are the winners yeah. for your, your picks. But throw, throw yeah. one at me right now. So I definitely want to talk about the Atlanta Hawks. My God, they made a lot of moves. Um, I think, um, you know, with the team that they had, I didn't expect them to uh, be in contention for another few years. I just thought that they would continue to develop and draft, like kind of like not necessarily tank, but be a lottery team, acquire more young assets, and then just like build the team through just their young assets. But uh, Atlanta's management, they've accelerated the process while also keeping their young guys because um, they, they still believe, believe in Cam Reddish, um, DeAndre Hunter, uh, Kevin Hooter, um, and obviously Trey Young. That's their foundation. And then they also have John Collins as well. But I think it started with when they acquired Clint Capella, which at first was a little surprising to me. Uh, but um, he seems uh, – I don't think he played much or if at all last season. Um, but So he's going to be ready for this season. But some of the moves they made this offseason has been really, really um, exciting. Obviously, we talked about Rondo. Uh, yeah. Rondo is a perfect backup point guard because of the fact that he has all his strengths are Trey Young's weaknesses. Yeah. So the combination of those two makes that complete point guard. Like they, they're, 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 their one spot is completely fulfilled there. Um, uh, they also acquired Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, we just talked about how um, the Kings messed that up. Fuck Actually, that. he... Yeah. <laughs> they didn't tell him that we we're going to trade him to Milwaukee. The Bucks, yeah. And then the deal fell apart. So that was just hilarious. Classic Kings. Classic Kings. Classic mismanagement and not choosing to, um, to get anything back for him, essentially, for, for a valuable player. Yeah. Um, and also drafting Aneke Okongu 
I think it's going to be a nice fit for them too. Yeah. So they have just a lot of young players mixed with some nice uh, veteran players. Also, they have they got added none who can also provide some defensive um, ability to their team. And with all these moves together, this just makes them a playoff team for sure. Um, especially with, I believe, like Trey Young, going to, who, who's going to continue to grow and develop his game um, and become more of a leader. Uh, I'm really excited to watch this Hawks team. Uh, they've got they are definitely a playoff team. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I think they're probably going to be at least. I'd, I'd have them a lock as like maybe a top seven, top six team, just because I think they had a very concerted effort in trying to get better defensively this off season with adding guys like Okongwu, who is projected to be a positional defender on the next level, and then you add. Rondo to your backcourt who's going to bring in some veteran leadership in defense but I also see their additions of adding like you know Danilo Gallinari for example oh I forgot yeah Him he's too. he's a pretty decent player when he can be on the court but if he's injured next season or if he gets injured it might turn out pretty bad for the Hawks so we'll have to see on that but I think they really made an effort to really contend now because they have one of the best players on a rookie deal in Trey Young there's probably three players in the league that are really transcendent superstars on rookie deals. So talk about like Trey Young, Luka Doncic, and probably Zion. That's the short list. So mm-hmm. you really have an opportunity here to add some big contracts onto your roster with a player that's on a rookie deal. So I like that they're making a win now move. And you know, the West, the, the Eastern conference is pretty weak. I was going to call it the Western conference. But it's very weak in the, we- in the East, honestly. So I see the reason why they did this. But at the same time, I, I don't know, man. The Hawks, they kind of had, they made, they had a little bit of buzz going into last season too with like potentially contending for a playoff spot. And then we saw how that turned out. So I think we'll have to wait to see in like the first week or two in the season how they do. And I think that's really going to be indicative of how the team's going to do for the entire season. But yeah, we'll, we'll have to see on that one. And the other team that I picked as a winner in the free agency debacle, I'd have to say that the Sixers have done really well this offseason. Mm-hmm. And this is interesting because we like to really criticize the Sixers a lot on this podcast because they've really mismanaged their team for the most part throughout the last couple seasons. And that's accredited really to Elton Brand. But this season, they brought in Daryl Morey, who's bringing in this new approach onto the team, which makes complete sense. Let's just add shooters around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and then everything will work itself out. So they went out and got Danny Green, who was traded from the Lakers to OKC, and then traded to the Sixers for Al Horford and some picks. So I love that trade, Mm -hmm. number one, because... Danny Green is not going to be the best shooter, I, don't, I wouldn't think, in the regular season anymore. But he's going to provide that defense, and he still is a threat on, at the three-point line. So you subtract Al Horford, and uh, that opens up the lane for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid to really operate in the paint. And then you add a Seth Curry, who is a 44% career three-point shooter, who's going to fill in that J.J. Redick role. And they also got rid of Josh Richardson, in that trade 
And they also drafted a bunch of shooters in the draft. So to, just to make it short, I think they're bringing in a new approach to the team where they're going to shoot a lot more threes around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And I think that's the right system to have for them. So I'm excited to see what they do next season. And, you know, Doc Rivers, we like to make fun of him too on this podcast, but yep. I think he's got a little more to work with in this team. And, you know, hopefully there's no big egos in the locker room. I'm talking to you, Joel Embiid. That's going to like ruin the chemistry. So we'll have to see. Um, in terms of improvement, yeah, I definitely agree. I think the, getting rid of that Al Horford and then getting players that can uh, stretch the floor because perimeter shooting was something they really, really needed. Um, it's obviously going to be an improvement. Um, with the Sixers, though, I, th- I think <laughs> something could happen because I th- I've been hearing things. I just think that potentially a Simmons for Harden type of trade could happen. And that would completely change the landscape of uh, that team and where and the direction of where that goes. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be finalized or any at all, if it's actually going to happen. Um, but in, if, it, if the team is the way it is con- currently constructed right now with Ben Simmons and James Harden, yeah, I, I really like the layout of this team. And they can definitely, uh, um, at the very least, do better than last year. I would, <laughs> last I'd year. hope so. Yeah, that was disappointing. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, as, like you said, what you said about um, uh, Doc Rivers, at the very least, we could agree that Doc Rivers is an improvement over uh, Brett, Brown. Brett Brown. Another another coach who we yeah. like to make fun of on this podcast. So yeah, that's that's definitely an upgrade for sure. So, you know, I, I think the Sixers did really well this offseason, but we got to talk about one more team that uh, we or you have as a winner. Mm-hmm. So, I guess make the case yeah. that the Timberwolves were a winner because, honestly, I, I don't know if it's – for me, I, I don't see them as a winner, but maybe you can convince me otherwise. Well, I just if, – like, I'm, if I'm looking at myself as a Timberwolves fan, um, I see three young guys that if they hit their potential can lead this franchise into playoff success. We obviously talked about Carl Anthony Towns, who, if he reaches potential, can be like the best center in the league. You know, um, he is the perfect modern center that a lot of people talk about would be the perfect uh, franchise player a person that they'd want to start their franchise with. So you have him. Uh, they acquired D'Angelo Russell, who, you know, he, he played his best basketball uh, in his time with Brooklyn and then was traded to uh, the Warriors where he had a little up and down type of thing. You know, the team chemistry and everything was just a weird situation. Um, now he's with Minnesota. And um, I think he's found somewhat of a home because now he's with his friend, Carl Anthony Towns. So they have that dynamic duo. And Anthony Edwards, we just talked about him. He reaches his potential. Um, He's going to be another solid player. Uh, And that backcourt would be very, very exciting to watch. Now it's all about, it's all in the franchise to solidify 
um, around those players. Uh, I think that the acquisition of Ricky Rubio, I think I've been a fan of Ricky Rubio. I think that he, even though he gets tossed around to different teams, I swear all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited about um, his role <laughs> yeah, coming it's, back it's, to Minnesota. It's. I feel like this was a weird theme of this offseason, but just a lot of players return to teams that they've formerly been on. So, like, Derek Favors coming back to yeah. Utah. And, like, now Ricky Rubio yep. coming back after all these, all these teams he's been on. Kind of weird, but, hey, I'm, I'm happy for Ricky Rubio because, honestly, he was one of the first players that I really saw from, like, before he was drafted. And I was thinking, man, Ricky Rubio is going to be, like, special. And then, you know, yeah. he had some injuries, and then it turned out that he was more or less just a pretty average point guard. But he's going to be a good add for them because he's going to bring the, like, the playmaking and the defensive versatility that he has. Yes. So I think he's and a good fit. He's, there's been numbers to show that he statistically helped uh, Devin Booker elevate his game in mm-hmm. Phoenix. And speaking on his potential, I remember the same thing too. Like, he was like the Spanish phenom playing for the national team. Um, he, I really thought he was going to be something special and he had, he, he's a flashy passer type of guy Yeah, and he still shows that signs of that, but I think, yeah, injuries might've helped, uh, help stunted his, uh, his potential also playing on terrible teams. Um, but maybe this is a chance to really showcase, um, his potential. I mean, from what I've seen, Timberwolf fans are very, very happy about him. So yeah, uh, we'll definitely see how that goes. Um, I, I also like Malik Beasley. Um, just the re-signing him was key. Um, so they've got they've got pieces. Jerry Culver's the kind of X factor for me. I don't know what to think of him. Yeah, like uh, some fans are just disappointed in him, but at the same time, he's like he's only played one year. Um, so we can see if he develops. I don't know what kind of player he's going to develop, though. So, but um, I think that if you're a Tibbles fan, I th- I put them as a winner just because, like, I don't know, their positive outlook um, is promising as long as they all reach their potential. Which you know, very generic thing to say, but it's just Timberwolves have seen so much bad basketball that I just think that this was a highlight for them. Well, I'm not as optimistic about the Wolves as you are. And I actually listed them as one of my losers of this offseason. And here, here's my case. So you add a guy in, in Anthony Edwards who, like I was saying earlier, it came out in a report like just literally before the draft saying that he, didn't, he doesn't really like to play basketball. Like he likes it, but it's not like his number one thing. You know, he's not as passionate about it as other guys. So right off the bat, red flag number one. That's the red flag where you're just like, ah, shit, this is another Andrew Wiggins potential scenario where the the guy has, you know, the athleticism and all the potential in the world, but he might not have the work ethic to match. So we'll have to see on him, but that's, that's the first red flag. The second red flag is besides Ricky Rubio, I don't think they made too much of an effort to get better on the defensive end. So if you have a guy like Anthony Edwards, who doesn't put enough effort in the game, especially on the defensive end. You have D'Angelo Russell, who's not the greatest defender to begin with, and Cat, who doesn't show enough efforts on the defensive end either. That's already like three defensive liabilities. Like the Timberwolves, they might be the worst defensive team in the league next year. They might be letting out like 115, 120 points a game. 
but they also might be putting up like 120, 122 maybe, depending on how high octane their offense can get. But to me, I just feel like they haven't done enough to really be playoff contenders in the West. Because if we talk about how the East has gotten a lot better, the West is more or less the same, you know? You know, the Blazers didn't do too well last season, but they added a guy like Rocco, for example. And he's a key addition to their team because he's like that 3 and D presence they haven't had since like, I don't know, was, was Trevor Ariza on the Blazers at one point? I don't remember. He was, but he was not playing much. Yeah. So like the, the Blazers, they haven't really had that 3 and D presence in a while on the wings. So I like that addition, for example. You know, the Nuggets, they're going to still be the Nuggets. I, I think just in general, the Western Conference is either the same as this season or a little bit better because, you know, it's another year for Luka Doncic and Porzingis to figure it out. You know, it's going to be hard to get into the still Western got, Conference. Yeah, still got the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz. Uh, Phoenix. Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Yes, we are on the same wavelength. Chris Paul <laughs> added to the Phoenix Suns. They could be a playoff team next year too because we saw what Chris Paul did with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you I'm know, sorry, I, they I were a playoff also, team last year with just Chris Paul, and now he's with Devin Booker. Another team, the Warriors, even without Clay Thompson, I think they're a playoff team. Yeah, they added Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre, uh, obviously James Wiseman. Um, Wiggins might finally figure it out on a good team, good yeah. franchise. And obviously Steph Curry, healthy. Best shooter, best point guard still, in my opinion. Yeah, so that, that's the only reason why I have like skepticism about the Wolves. I understand that they're probably trending in the right direction, but I think the moves they've made, like if you look at the Hawks, for example, they made the right moves to contend now. Whereas the Wolves, I feel like they didn't make enough moves to really commit to contending now, and they should have. Because they... Well, to be like, Sorry, you know, they, 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 they're they not going to have Carl Anthony Towns forever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they did sign him on a big extension, but if you're a player that's, like, a star like Carl Anthony Towns and you see your team just making these mediocre moves, you're going to think, well, I'm going to go to a team that actually makes the moves and really goes for it rather than the Wolves just being mediocre. Well, to be fair, I think with the Hawks, one of the things that helped is um, the fact that Atlanta is a nice place to be. Um, it's a very cultured city versus Minnesota, um, Minneapolis, right? Like, yeah. So, so they really need to bank on their draft picks. Uh, well, Atlanta does too, in a way. But they, like, so they have like Atlanta. We they they also they have DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Trey Young, Kevin Herter. We know those guys. Uh, what? With um, the Timberwolves, they have now Edwards um, and D'Angelo Russell, Jericho Bird. They need to hit on their picks. Um, They also – who else did they draft? (sighs) There was someone else that they drafted that I really liked for them too. Anthony Um, Bennett? No, they didn't draft (laughs) Anthony Bennett. They they traded for him, I think, right? Anthony Bennett? He's not even in the league anymore. Uh, No, but they, they, they picked him up a couple of years ago. He's been like on several teams. He was on the Raptors at one point. Yeah, he was. Timberwolves pick. Um, but, yeah, I think um, – so you have them as a loser still. Yeah, I do. Because, you know, I just feel like they didn't make the necessary moves to really contend. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, it's it's so tough. I, I get what you're saying with like Minneapolis guess, not being talk a, about a nice city. One of my losers. Yeah. So let's let's talk about another team because I think we've racked on the Wolves enough. Um, <laughs> well, how about have. we talk about I... the Detroit Pistons, who have a crowded front court now? Yes. Yes. So, the Pistons. Uh, they they just keep they're probably one of the worst franchises in this league in terms of constantly making questionable moves um they lost out they lost christian wood uh christian wood has moved on to the houston rockets that one i can't blame too much on them because christian wood did not want to be there but at the same time you do blame the management because that's you you made it so a player did not want to play for that franchise after yeah. like one good season <laughs> like it was very as soon clear as he that had the, the ability to didn't leave. want him yeah as soon as he had the ability to leave he definitely left um i know um luke Kennard. like some people were a little upset about the luke Kennard uh trade it was a three-way trade uh luke Kennard to the clippers uh Shamit, i believe to the brooklyn nets and the clippers uh, acquired a pick that would uh, allow them to pick Sadiq Bay, which some people think that's a nice, decent pick. But Luke Kennard was uh, is a I, I, his game is very underrated. He's a very efficient shooting uh, guard, small forward type of player, and he's a good pickup for the Clippers. Um, and some of the Pistons fans are a little upset about that. I know. <laughs> but in terms of the, the way they manage the team, yeah, they've just been acquiring. Biggs, uh, I believe they have acquired Mason Plumley. Uh, yep. What? Else? Yeah, Mason Plumley, and then just some other pick guys. Uh, they Jeremy, still need. I to... think they got Jeremy Grant, right? Jeremy Grant, yeah. Which uh, I don't know. Again, overpays for these players. Um, they still need to figure out what to do with Blake Griffin. Uh, they still need to figure out what to do with Derrick Rose. I mean, Derrick Rose can't be happy with this team at all. He's. Um, I think he's a candidate to be traded this season. Absolutely. Uh, Dwayne Casey. <laughs> he's got a lot to work with, but I don't know what he's going to do, man. Oh, my God. It's this, this team is like – so, uh, okay, well, <laughs> this, this, this Pistons franchise for years have been the example of how to not run a franchise because they've never been good and bad enough to, like, get a lottery pick, but they'll never be good enough to actually make the playoffs. They've been stuck at, like, that 9 tenth like spot if they're lucky they make it to the eighth spot and then they get swept Mm, (laughs) you know it's true right it is true so whether they're facing the cavaliers and lebron or the milwaukee bucks like they're just gonna get swept so they've always been stuck in that bubble and then when they get their picks they let they rarely uh get a good pick um you know so they've just been stuck the uh of, of being a mediocre team Bad contracts, injury-prone players. Uh, man, I can't imagine being a Pistons fan. Jeez. And you live in Detroit? God damn. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, I'll just always have a grudge against Dwayne Casey and the Pistons just because I remember when Casey left, he was a little bit salty. So oh. he was talking about how, you know, he's come to Detroit and we have actual banners in our arena. And then that season, wow. we picked up our own banner with a championship. So uh sorry, sorry Dwayne Casey, but you're not gonna put up a banner in Detroit, let's be fair. 
But yeah, <laughs> I, I get what you're saying with Detroit. You know, they're to me they're like the kings of the East, the the Sacramento Kings of the East. They're not the actual kings of the East, and they haven't been for a while. But yeah, that's a good comparison because both of those teams they had like pretty decent successful uh, success in the past. You know. Um, obviously, the, the, with uh, the Pistons, they actually won some championships versus the Kings not winning any. But uh, Yeah, but, you know, th- another thing to be said is that the Kings have actually had some decent players come by through their team in the last, like, 10 years. They got, like, Tyreek Evans that one season where he won Rookie of the Year. Then they DeMarcus picked up, Cousins. like, Isaiah Thomas or DeMarcus Cousins. And they're, like, they were pretty productive for them, too. But they've just mismanaged their players. And more or less for this this set to be said about the Pistons too, because they, for whatever reason, they just can't get out of this like NBA purgatory or they can't, like you're saying, secure a good lottery pick, but they also barely make the playoffs or not qualify for the playoffs at all. So hopefully Killian Hayes turns out for them. I know a lot of people were high on Killian Hayes going into this draft. I, I wasn't one mm-hmm. of them, but you know, he, he is a decent player and I think he should help them out especially because they weren't able to hit on Fred Van Fleet's um, free agency. So he, he was not going to, nah, he was not going there. Yeah, um, I don't think so. If, if I was Fred, I was going to go to either Toronto or New York because, you know, New York, at least there's the chance that they max you out yeah. Yeah. and like get a lot of money. And then Toronto, you obviously like it in Toronto as, for, as if you were Fred Van Fleet. So yeah, the Pistons were a long shot for sure for them. Yeah, I feel like if you're a Pistons fan, the only thing – yeah, you mentioned Killian Hayes. Um, the only thing you have going for you at this point – because the other good thing was Christian Wood, but he's gone now. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's literally him, Killian Hayes, and Sekou Demboya too. And they, they're both French players, I believe. So yep. that's their only thing they have going for them because, man, other than that, they just – it like I think that you either – if you're going to be a bad team, right? You don't want to be an old bad team. Yeah. That's what the Pistons are. Like if you're like if you're another team's like they're they're bad but they're young so you have there's promise. I look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, they have some young pieces and like oh they have somewhat of a future. The Pistons are just like they still got all these veterans, you know, and it's just like yeah, it's weird. They're, and they signed to... veterans. Yeah, what are they doing? They're just trending in the wrong direction. They're picking up guys that are like in the middle of their careers or like towards the end, and then yeah. you know Blake Griffin's injury prone, and Derek Rose as as good as a season as he had last year, he's also injury prone. You just wonder what the hell is going on in Detroit. Like, it's just so weird. And I think a team that's having like a similar like past couple seasons is the Washington Wizards. And I've actually listed them also as one of my losers because they didn't really make any too too many big additions other than re-signing Davis Bertans to a five-year, I believe it's a $80 million, con- $80 million contract. So that was like the only addition they really made. But the only reason why I list them as losers, and this is for a really dumb reason, but I just list them as a loser because John Wall is not happy at all with his situation. He's pissed off that the Wizards even thought of trading him for for Russell Westbrook. And to be fair, if I'm the Wizards organization, I'm trying to remove John Wall because, number one, he gets injured in such the dumbest ways. Like, literally, the dude got injured just walking down the stairs in his house. 
Like, that's so dumb, right? And he hasn't played for, like, two or three seasons now. And he's still on, like, one of the biggest contracts in the league. So that's terrible. And for for the Wizards' sake, I just hope that they, like, at least give it give the idea to John Wall to install a elevator in his house because <laughs> you don't want him to stand near any stairs. No stairs for John Wall. That's all I'm going to say about that. But just in terms of the Wizards, the reason why I list them as a loser is because similar to the Timberwolves, they have decent players, but I just feel like they didn't make enough moves to get better this offseason. Whereas teams like the Hawks, the Hornets, I know a lot of people want to make fun of the Gordon Hayward deal, which is like four years, $120 million, but they added LaMelo Ball, and I think the Hornets, they have something to work with there. And they, can, they have a chance to be competitive next year. Obviously, the Nets, they're going to be back next season with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So that's going to be another team that's definitely going to be at least top four in the league or in the Eastern Conference. So the East has gotten a lot better. Miami's still going to be around. Toronto's still going to be around. Boston, Milwaukee. So you just wonder where the Wizards fit in into the Eastern Conference landscape. And more or less, I, I don't see them being a playoff team they're a fringe playoff team maybe nine or eight seed but Mm -hmm. you don't want to see that where or you don't want to see that situation where the wizards are in that spot because you have a guy like bradley beal who's one of the best scorers in the league in his prime and you're really wasting those years just like you know treading water in the middle of the league so that's the main reason why i have them as a loser but i don't know if you see it otherwise no, I I agree. Um, have been another team that's been very stagnant over the past few years. You know, I remember the conversation with some being like a, when they were like considered playoff contenders of actually comparing to the Toronto Raptors at the time because they were talking about the best backcourts. And it was Lowry DeRozan versus Bradley Beal, John Wall. Uh, we remember the series where they swept us. Um, that was kind of tough. Um, but yeah, they, they John Wall hasn't helped the whole situation. You know, him signing that contract and then just him being injured. Uh, I think that when healthy, he is a top tier point guard. I'm not gonna lie; he's such an exciting point guard to watch. His speed is impeccable. Um, his athleticism, his playmaking. Um, and I thought he he was a good compliment to Bradley Beal, who was the guy who can uh, stretch the floor, good shooter, uh, create his own shot. I think that duo, I'm not going to lie, like um, even as Raptor fans, I recognize that at, when they're healthy, they're better back. They were a better backward than DeRozan and Lowry. Um, it was tough to admit because, you know, as Raptors fans, we wanted to be biased and yes. stay true. Yeah. But it's truthfully, when they were healthy, they were the better backward. And they just, the only difference is though, the Raptors had good players to compliment Larry and DeRozan. They kept drafting, they, they made right, uh, good signings, except for Damari Carroll. Um, but with, <laughs> with the, the Wizards, like, they had that year where they had Paul Pierce. Um, but other than that, like, um, Otto Porter trade to Chicago for Bobby Portis, uh, I believe Jabari Parker as well. Um, yeah, that, it was very was, weird. Yeah, and they just yeah they just haven't found another player to play with them. 
Uh, they drafted Rio, Rui Uchimera. Hachimura. Hachimura. He's a nice young player to have. So they, they got somebody there. Um, yeah, and they picked up Denny Abdia too, the uh, forward out of Israel. Yes. We'll see how he, he fits with that team. So, but yeah, like you said, like Wall wants out. Bradley Beal. I wonder what he's thinking about all this. Like Beal has been thrown uh, around. His name has been thrown in trade rooms all the time. Um, I don't know if he wants to stay in with Washington or not. He seems like a loyal guy, but like at some point you have to admit that like the franchise has just been a joke. He hasn't been able to get someone to, uh, someone to play with you properly. Um, so, and the wisdom, the, 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 the timetable of how much longer this team, this team can go before they have to restart is like closing, you know, and Beal who's in his prime right now, I'm sure he wants to start winning. He was frustrated. I remember uh, last season when, he would have like what fifty point games, like, yeah. and they would still lose, <laughs> and he would get look so defeated. And I would, I don't blame him at all. Yeah, on on Bradley Beal, I just remember the game he had versus the Raptors on that Sunday yeah. night last season, where it was like the Raptors were leading for most of the game, and Bradley Beal was literally carrying the team on his shoulders mm-hmm. to like come back. And I I believe he may have had like a career high or something like that. I think it was either this season or last season. I forgot, but I know Pascal really broke out that game too, but damn. Uh, you hate to see it for Bradley Beal, man. Like that's probably the, the situation as an NBA player where you don't want to be in. You're like a superstar player, but you're on a team where the, they're not making the necessary moves to really compete. So your, your hands are kind of tied as a player because you can force your way out, but ultimately – as much as it is a player-driven league and a player-empowered league, you know, at the end of the day, if the Wizards don't want to trade him, Bradley Beal signed the extension, the two-year extension to his deal. So they can just keep him if, for, you know, if anything, right? So it, yeah. it sucks. And I believe Scott Brooks is still their uh, head coach. Yeah. They, when I remember they acquired him. They thought that he could change that franchise. Actually, there was, you know... I, I will say, though, to be fair, the Wizards did try to get players. Um, I remember they did try to get Kevin Durant, but Durant the, has always said that he's, he, never wanted to, he never wants to play for Washington, even though he's from there. Uh, yeah. And then DeMarcus Cousins was someone that I thought would join them because the the Kentucky connection between um, DeMarcus and John Wall. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they've just been stagnant. I, like, as a Wizards fan, you probably are just like, frustrated i think they're kind of like the wizards i mean like the pistons at this point you know they're just not bad enough to like get a real good lottery pick but they're not good enough to contend in the east they're stuck in the middle yeah so i think yeah it, it just sucks for those teams that are in the middle of the league but there are there are teams that make the best out of those situations you know like we saw you know, a couple of years back, the Bucks were in that situation where they were like in the middle of the league and they were able to pick up a guy like Giannis in the draft. So while it's not like, you know, the ideal situation to be in as an NBA franchise, it's definitely not an end-all be-all. You can get out of this purgatory. And I, I just think the moves that these teams like the Kings and, you know, the Pistons and the Wizards, they're just not really making the right moves to 
bring themselves out of this purgatory. They're just signing or trading for these big contracts of, you know, older players that aren't, you know, necessarily healthy all the time. And, you know, it's, it's not helpful for your team. You should really be trending towards getting younger, acquiring draft picks, and, you know, maybe either tanking, well, not even like tanking, just acquiring younger assets too. So I think a lot of teams in the league could probably learn a thing or two from a team like Toronto, Boston, OKC is making all the right moves right now too. They have like a million draft picks over the next decade. I mean, that's a that's another winner. We completely forgot about that. Like they definitely, their their future is so set. <laughs> They're finessing the league. All I can say is because next year's draft is projected to be a lot better. They have a couple picks there. Twenty twenty two is going to be pretty cool. Potentially the the year. Uh, it's either twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three when Bronny is going to be in a draft. But and Mikey. Yeah, yeah, Mikey too. So there's going to be a lot of young talent coming into the league in the next five to ten years. And I mean, as much as people say like, "Oh, it's it's a bad move to trade a player that's playing in the league now for someone that's still in middle school," but in reality, that's how the Boston Celtics pulled themselves out of a rebuild and really positioned themselves to be cont- title contenders. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if OKC picks up like one or two generational talents in the next couple drafts because that's honestly what they can do. They have so many draft picks. But the thing is, number one, what you do with those, uh, first of all, good scouting to pick those players. And number two, retaining them. You know, a thing that we need to remember is, you know, I think that like at certain points, Sam Presti was a guy that people thought should have been fired because even though he's doing good, it seems like he's doing a good job right now. OKC has had a lot of talent come through that franchise. Uh, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, three generational uh, talent, three important players, and they let them all go for essentially nothing. So you can have all the picks you want, but you need to first hit on them. And then number two, uh, keep them and not be cheap ownership needs to be able to go uh uh allow the gms to uh retain these players and not be cheap because that's what happened yeah. with james harden yeah and i just think too that whole james harden russell westbrook kd Serge Ibaka situation in okc i felt like they just suffered really from being a small market team so owners they're less likely to spend you know, over the luxury tax when you're a small market, just because like you, you can't afford to oftentimes. So it, it sucks, but the OKC is doing exactly what they need to do. So they've, they've positioned themselves really well for the future. And, you know, we talked a lot about this, about teams in this podcast, and we're definitely going to be back another time with uh, so another like episode where we're covering the moves because we're still in the off season. There's still going to be trades, still going to be signings to cover. And we're definitely going to be there to bring it and uh, cover all those topics. So this has been the NBA's most valuable podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at NBA most valuable podcast. Make sure you give us a five-star rating on Apple podcasts and share the podcast with your friends. If you enjoyed what you heard today. We're going to be back next time with another episode. So till then, we're out. Peace.